It's Mark and Pete. Hello and welcome to the show. More colourful conversations with Mark and Pete. This is the show that dedicates itself to religion, politics and business. This week, our topic for discussion is grave concerns over church conversions. An Englishman's home is his castle, or so it says. Uh, When we look through the history of England in particular, a lot of churches are now being converted into homes. Strangely enough, in fact, in recent times, over 18,000 churches and chapels have been sold across England. Well, of course, this isn't just exclusive to England. Many churches and religious establishments have been converted into many, many strange activities. For example, they've been converted into nightclubs. They've been converted into restaurants. In fact, they've even been converted into mosques. Well, the church research group has said that 47,600 English churches operating today are in danger of actually being redundant by the year 2020. That's an alarming statistic. So let me ask clergyman Pete. Pete, are you having grave concerns over the use and conversions of churches in England today? Well, businessman Mark, I I think that uh, uh, I do have grave concerns over the strategy used by churches, um, especially if you're talking about a whole denomination like the Church of England, of which uh, which I'm a member, um, concerns over the grave concerns over the strategy used over whether they buy or sell uh, buildings. Uh, that is to say, I'm concerned that there isn't an overarching strategy, and that if there is one, it's not being very effective. Uh, I, I think that. Uh, The buildings being uh, sold or becoming redundant, so they need to be sold, is a concern because it means that they're not full of people. And so that that, that really is my concern when it comes down to it. A church building is important insofar as it serves the mission of the church. Yes. And serves as a home for church fellowships to meet in. So that is my concern. Well, I mean, interestingly enough, a lot of people have taken a slightly more entrepreneurial view of how they can use the asset. And we're going to explore a number of them. I've already sort of set up the scene, but I want to particularly focus on one specific idea. And this is something that's occurred very recently. Um, In fact, um, Church Constellationist Trust um, looks after around 350 churches in England. Um, and that's uh, the, those that are not in regular use for worship. So make that really clear. But what they've actually done is come up with the idea of coming up with this concept of champing. So I'll repeat that. That's champing. C-H-A-M-P-I-N-G. So it's not churching. It's not camping. But it's the idea that you can actually convert the church into some kind of hostelry. Now, this is an unusual idea, and I, you could argue that um, it's actually uh, quite a quite a, 
a, a good one in the sense that they actually charge people for actually renting per night. I believe it's around £60 per night if, of course, you're interested. Well, of course, this sort of raises a, a concern for me, um, and I'm going to raise my concern in the form of a little poem. So I'll just uh, read out my poem, and I'll allow uh, clergyman Pete to, to make a comment on this entrepreneurial idea. So yes. this, this poem is called House of the Rising Sun. Hell's bells and lots of smells. Let's convert all churches into five-star hotels. By accommodating your soul and putting your conscience to bed, you can make room for faith, then check out when you're dead. Yes, I guess you can. Yes. So or, what do you think of the idea of actually converting churches into, say, something like a hostelry or even a five-star hotel? Uh, well, uh, I can see how with some church buildings that would be a very attractive proposition, converting them into a, a hotel. Uh, some churches are large, cavernous buildings without not necessarily that much charm, but if they were converted into smaller units, they, they would be quite attractive. Um, uh, the the stone walls sometimes ending uh, adding a bit of character. Um, as for camping in them, well, it, it seems um, to me a little bit of a waste of a facility. But I suppose what that means is that you don't need to do the conversion before you start using it for the purpose. You yes. just leave it as a church, which, which has the has the attraction of it being easily converted back to use uh, as a church, or it could still be used. Maybe if the church weren't used. Every week, people there was worship happening in there. Well, it, a lot of the time, particularly during the summer, you could people could go and uh, come there. Now, my experience of going for a walk out into the countryside and coming across uh, a church with thick stone walls and going out of the heat of the day into the nice cool of the church is a very good one. So I can imagine you doing that, you know, and it'd be an attractive place to end your walk. So I could see the attraction of it. I can see that from the point of view of the entrepreneur, it's it has a certain um, a certain fit yes. with a certain model of trying uh, of catering. In that, if you're looking at people who are not spending that much money, they're looking for somewhere just to stay overnight because the rest of the day is going to be spent outside. Then, I guess it's uh, I guess it's a good one because you don't need. Yes. all the amenities but if, if, I think behind your question is the idea that, that should it be done or ought it to be done that it's used for these other yes. purposes and now my view is and I'm not saying this is the Mark and Pete view because we're, we're going to throw this up against uh, what, you, uh, what you have to say and what you've been hinting at uh, by the, the tenor of your poem and that is that I think that using churches for other purposes is a good idea and uh, if and I would go for so far as to say using churches for other purposes while it is still functioning as a church is an excellent idea. For example, I uh, was leader of a church in London which had converted its worship area into a working cafe. This was an excellent way of bringing people in. The worship still happened there, but cafe stuff also happened. So people were comfortable being there, and even if they had never been to church before, they could be comfortable coming to the church service because it was where they regularly went for a coffee um, you could use uh, a church as a cinema so you could show films and then and then maybe have some prayer during or after the film which is another thing that uh, I, I used to do thus having a movie night becoming a church service and 
so I think as using it as part of the mission of the church, it's a very good idea. Uh, the problem that I would have is simply disposing of a church um, because maybe it's becoming a little too expensive to look after or um, simply because of dwindling numbers in the church when something could be done about it along yeah. the lines that I've been just saying. Well, so so what are your views on that? I mean, well, I'm saying using it for other purposes is a good idea as long as it's used as part of your overall strategy for growth or for outreach. Yes, well, let, let me clarify the point uh, behind this champing, because this was the concept of Peter Ayres, who was one of the Trust's regional directors, and I think he sort of stayed within the, the boundaries of usage, in my opinion, in this particular case, primarily because what he was saying is, is that although he accepts that churches are still consecrated spaces, it's effectively the chance for guests to free up their, their chance to come in and, and actually uh, look at the beauty of the buildings and even the surrounding landscape. So, for example, one one of the examples was uh, the St. Mary um, uh, the Virgin in Fordwich in Kent is a good example. And there people could actually uh, have a have a, a night in the in the church. But then, you know, people could go for walks and tours in the near Canterbury environment. And there is a good thing. You, you're getting the community involved. And at the same time, there's a little bit of revenue. Where I have the issue is the change of use, complete change of use. So, for example, this is a personal thing. I think that when I see a church converted into a dwelling, as in a private dwelling, or for any reason that it's been completely converted into commercial use, um, unlike the example you were saying where you have it as part of a church, like a restaurant or something, if, if it has no um, connection with the religious purpose in which it was attended, to me, that's sacrilege. The point being that I would say is, is that uh, when a building or a ground is deemed to be uh, consecrated, it's given by effectively um, the church community and whoever has consecrated the, the space to God. The idea being that uh, that is a, a, a land that people should be used uh, for, for worship. If, if it's changed, and I understand that communities do change, so for example, communities evolve, there are more houses that are built, so sometimes a community can spread, and it may not always be possible for some communities that wanted of a community to get to the original church. However, I agree with the point that, um, you know, you have to evolve as a, as a church, and you do have to spread your message, but I think that... Um, the very thought that the sole purpose of the of the church is taken away doesn't sit very well with me. And 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 the, also the other thing is aesthetically it doesn't seem to always go very well. So for example, I've seen on many um, property programs where people have done some extraordinary modernisation inside a church, effectively gutting it. Um, they've stripped out the pews and the pulpit. So the exterior building looks very traditional, and yet the interior just looks like some kind of modern, abstract, um, <laughs> uh, incongruous setting that has no bearing on its original intention. And I don't think that that works. Well, there's a, there's a few points, there's different points you're making there. One is um, the aesthetic one, well, uh, which uh, really is a matter of taste, isn't it? I mean, I, would, I agree with you, but it's... Uh, it, it, it's it's not this of the same order of issue, the same order of importance of whether something should change use 
because you've uh, dedicated it to God. Now, just on a technical point, uh, the Church of England is the, the denomination that I know best, and the, the Church of England will consecrate a church, making it you know, into a church. The bishop will come and perform a service, and from then point on, it's a consecrated for church use. But it can also be deconsecrated, and then then it's sold. And that's what's the, they don't sell churches that are still regarded as churches. Well, although they is, look like a church, the church removes this, that I, status. I would like comment. to make this one point, and maybe we can bring this up. But some churches do have graveyards, and some are actually sold as private dwellings, but still with the graveyard there and to me that is disrespectful to the souls who have perished there now i okay you could argue well look if the church is not going to be used anymore by the community and so on well i think it's the responsibility of the church to do more so it might be that at one time hundreds of people went to the church but on the other hand if they've only got a dozen or more and it looks like those numbers are dwindling there may be the argument for some that uh, the church has to change its usage but I come back to the point that, you know, when you have a graveyard, yeah, when people have um, been uh, baptized, people have had ma- marriages, people have died in those uh, in those areas, it, it, that's where it doesn't sit well with me. And I think it's around yes. this principle of soul. Well, I, yeah, well, I, it, I understand the, the feelings you express because I come across them in, in, amongst my parishioners. Now, I, I have a parish here in the northwest of England where there's a, okay there's a there's a congregation each week we you know we, we've we've got enough people to do all the various things we need to do so we're functioning as a church but compared with the number of people who live around the area it's a very small number and so the question you have to ask is well why aren't they coming to the church yes. is it because they don't believe well some people that's true uh, but other people uh, many people, in fact, I, I haven't done a, an exhaustive sur- survey, but uh, people come and offer this opinion that the church building is theirs, or the church is theirs as, as an institution, uh, this being St. Paul's in Seacombe. Uh, so if you go along to that church, St. Paul's in Seacombe, you will, you'll only find a few people worshipping on the Sunday at the moment, although numbers are increasing. But if that... That being the case, why? How come there were thousands of people living in the area? Thousands of people living in the area yes. who believe, many of them, that this is their church. They will have the if we if we close the church down for any reason and sold it off, there are no plans to do so. But if that were to that were to happen, people will be outraged. I'm sure because I've seen it happen elsewhere. So um, it, it's no it's no exaggeration to say that it's likely there would be people outraged uh, because of that feeling that you've expressed this church shouldn't be changing its use i i was married there my parents were married there i was baptized there they, uh, there was uh, the funeral was there that sort of thing but in that case come to church and pay your tithe so that the church could support it if people feel that way yeah. then they need to back it up with their actions well to that you know, point, yeah because i think i was just going to add I, I just wanted to add one other thing that um, be, because we have a a largely international audience to the show. I just wanted to add that the Church of England, although it's the state church, gets no funding from the state. All its income comes from people's giving, yes. uh, so the people who are attending church giving, and investments that the church commissioners of the, of the uh, denomination have, ha- have 
invested in over the years. Yes, and I think that the point here is, is I agree with this message that actually the real call to action here is, is that the more people that go to church, then there's less likelihood for a change of usage. However, of course, it is sad that when you see them changed, for example, to a nightclub uh, suddenly appearing yeah. on your doorstep, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and 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 literally sort of um, uh, raising the roof uh, well, uh, with with loud noise and music and, and well, well, hellish yeah. behaviour. But but also strangely enough, even when it has changed its purpose for religions. There have been examples in Yorkshire, which is north of England for those international listeners, where it's actually become a mosque. So it's actually changed complete religion in, in complete, uh, totally. But, but, but I, I want to sort of ask, because this ties back into this call to action, because we're very much for this localism in the sense that if people put more effort into their local community, and of course the church is part of the local community, you can see that that will hold the church purpose together as well as the purpose of the religion as well as people will understand their local communities a lot better and church communities i think are often the fabric of any good society so where we've talked about before on a business level uh, which is i appreciate a completely different thing where you invest in local talent you you put that local local money into into businesses and nurturing businesses but in correlation to that by actually investing your time and effort into local churches that in itself helps that localism and to to build more into that community spirit. And that, to me, I think is really where I think there is a better solution. I agree that the call to action isn't whether, you know, we, we should ever get into that situation where we should be selling off the assets. I understand that church communities do grow, but there's no reason why you can't have more than one church in one community. No, there isn't. Um, and if the, a church is valuable, as in the church building is valued by the local community, there's no reason why they couldn't support it, uh, you know, to be to be kept, even though it's not used as a place of worship. It could be kept in much the same way as an astral trust house is kept. An astral trust house is kept just for simply yes. people to visit because of the sentimental, artistic or historical importance of it. And that can be true with churches, but it needs to have financial support. In this case, if you see there's financial support from the local people and it's going to also have, um, have you know, people act, actually using it, even if that's simply to visit it. But talking about churches as church buildings as churches, if they, if they uh, don't fulfil the purpose anymore of a, of a church because um, the demographics have changed, uh, the, uh, the village centre has moved because there's a large housing estate nearby... Yes then that's the only way that you can keep a church, functions of church, is to, you know, have to prop it up, to have support of money going in, because the people live in a different area. Yes. Now, I know that uh, people can travel these days, but in general, for a church, and actually I think this is a good thing, people like to have the church in their own community. Yes. Now, so much so that they, the, the, and this is a bad thing, they won't go. Uh, they won't be a part of a church anywhere uh, in many cases if it's not in their locality. Um, now, you I mean, you could have a church in someone's home, of course. You don't need a building. Um, I, but uh, that, that isn't how it works out. And this is really the point that I'd, uh, the, the point that I may like to make, the sort of, uh, the sort of underlying concept of 
the attitude to church that I think is right is that a church is the people who meet together to worship. In the Bible, uh, it talks about this, about the church being the people. And in fact, it says it's all built on the people who do the teaching. It's uh, Matthew 16, verse 18. I tell that you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Uh, Peter, in this case, not being me, but being the uh, the apostle, and whose name given as Peter by Jesus meant rock or rocky. So you are rocky, and on this rock I will build my church. Yes, it's a it's a building of people, built on people who were followers of Jesus and knew him, and that's uh, that's how it started, and that's how it's to remain. But that doesn't mean that the building isn't important. Uh, in the book of Acts, so right at the very earliest church, the people of the earliest church met in the courtyards of the temple. But why did they meet there? They could have they could have met anywhere. They could have met in someone's home. In fact, they did also meet in people's homes later. But they meeting there was strategically effective. It was um, open plan. People could see what they were doing. People knew who they were, so they were open to join. And thousands did join. So it gave them a strategic ad- advantage using this big public building. And that's the same uh, with churches dotted around this country and across the world. When you have a big building, sometimes that's the best place. And if you change its purpose, because it's such an obvious building, which is aligned to the church uses, when you change the use, your your PR, uh, your public relations, is being handled for you. You you can't say, ah, yes, uh, we're... Uh, we're changing the use of the church, uh, but the church is the people, not the building. Well, you can say that as much as you like, but people see the building. Yes, and I think that's and a, that's uh, when it changes point. use, it's it, it may not be it may not be actually wrong to change the use of the building, but there is a PR aspect to it. If you change a church to being a mosque, you're sending a message that you don't want to send. Well, correct. And I think that that is a very important point, because in business terms, uh, the church is, a, is an icon, it's, it's a brand, it's a symbol on the high street or in a village community. And if that actually is converted to any purpose, whether it's a d- dwelling or whether it's a commercial use or a nightclub, for example, it, it does say very simply, well, people are no longer going to church or don't go to church anymore, go to a nightclub or whatever it happens to be. So yeah. I, I, do, I do think that there is that aspect to it, and, and I think that's a really important one. Um, but I would sort of ask you about this, um, uh, this point about um, uh, branding, because um, you mentioned about Peter. I thought that was a, a good um, quote that you yes. from the Bible. But there's also oh, something you. else here as well, isn't there? Because there oh, really? is, in America, um, the Peter Cooper village, which apparently ah. didn't go very well, did it? Ah. I wanted to uh, explain that. Ah, I, I, I only hoped that you, uh, that you wouldn't mention this. I wouldn't bring this up. Yes, Peter Cooper Village was a complete disaster uh, from start to finish. Well, uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> no, Peter Cooper Village is, of course, named after me. Um, no, actually, it's named after the inventor of Jell-O, the 19th yes. century industrialist, who, uh, uh, who was uh, you know, well-known politically as well at the time. Um, his son became the mayor of New York for a bit and there's um there's there's a an area of New York uh, named after Peter Stuyvesant uh you know a, a director general of the Dutch yes. uh, company and there was a, a farm next to it uh which in the 17th century was developed into this sort of industrial center which then became 
developed as a residential area called Peter Cooper Village within Stuyvesant Town. And the Church of England commissioners heavily invested into its development and lost bucket loads of money, millions of pounds. Um, and that was regarded as an error of judgment on their part. <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> um, now, my, uh, my, my question, my, my first point will be to point out that the Church of England does has that sort of level of money. It does have money to invest. But why was it investing it there? Why not invest it in homegrown buildings? In Hey, here's a good idea. If you want to change the use of a church, why sell it? Why not develop it yourself? And then, with our principle of localism, get local people to run it. Let's build up businesses, local businesses, with churches that don't need to be used as churches anymore. Let the church have them as local businesses, which benefit the local community. Even better, have the local church building, which may, so, sometimes this is true, only used once a week or maybe uh, twice a week, and in uh, for long periods, you know, maybe use first thing in the morning for morning prayer. But after that, it's it's empty apart from for funerals. Well, if that's happening, why not develop something within it, a business on that site, be it accommodation, be it um, uh, something like soft play area? And the answer is that that is being done lots and lots of times, lots and lots of times up and down the country, but not with major investment from the church commissioners or from central church funds who then recoup the money. They might give a grant, but what I'm talking about is investment into it. Why yes. not go that route? That if you do lose the money, at least you've got something out of it in that you've put something into a local community. You've done something in line with the with Christian mission. You've done something good for a local community for which you're responsible for caring for. So yes. why not invest? Be well, entrepreneurial, Church of England. Well, I, a challenge I, I agree that one can be entrepreneurial, but it comes back to my point that uh, this concept of I'd rather hear church chimes than church commercial crimes. So, <laughs> for example, the, the, point, that right. yes, <laughs> the point being is that uh, I do agree that the church should be entrepreneurial. I'm all in favor of some of the examples that you've given uh, where you have perhaps introduced, a, say, a restaurant to complement what the church is doing or a cinema to complement what the church is doing, but not to change its entire purpose. I think that that's something where I, I sit uh, uncomfortably because I believe that to the point we've made that it sends out a signal that the church has failed because it no longer could run its true service as a as a point of faith in the community because if it is a nightclub that to me sends out the wrong signal so i think that, that there are many ways in which the church can invest its uh, its money in a in a more entrepreneurial way yes i also believe that it involves the community members themselves uh, my uh, feeling would be is is that people should get more actively involved in the church community now that that i think then sort of builds the fabric of society so I think that there are many ways in which um, people will, will have different views on, on this. So uh, it would be good to understand what our listeners think. So listeners, do you believe that churches should be used purely for um, religious purposes and no other purpose? Do you have a different view that maybe it's just a building? It doesn't really matter. It's just a pile of bricks. And it doesn't matter whether it's a nightclub, a restaurant or any other purpose for that matter. 
So drop us a line on markandpete.com, fill out the contact form, and let us know what you think on this subject. Join us again next time for more colourful conversations with Mark and Pete. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.